With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Welcome to Fantasy Football Weekly, a production of iHeartRadio. Time now for Fantasy Football Weekly from iHeartRadio, your weekly source for the nation's best fantasy football advice, speculation, and whatever stupid stuff they decide to drop into the show. Now here's your host, Paul Charchian. It's Fantasy Football Weekly. I am Paul Charchian from guillotineleagues.com. My cohort is... Brian Johnson. Hey, Brian. So what on, Charge? It's Good been have, a while. Yeah, Good been a while. It. A couple of weeks. Good to have you back on the show. Um, I can't say Matt filled in for you because you're both co-hosts, but it's nice to have you back. I think you're uh, you're here more often, so it feels like you're co-host one A. But I but you're you know but I, I love all my kids equally. All right, but you know. can I be one A plus? Uh, we don't do pluses in the show. I thought of the off season they were allowed. <laughs> I thought we determined that if a month or two yeah, ago. Yeah, you know what? I, I can't go there. I can't go there. Um, the premise of the next several shows is we're going to look back on last year, go through every team and every notable player, and give you sort of our key takeaways from the year. Like if there's one thing you need to know about every every one of the players, every meaningful player, like, you know, we're talking about guys that, you generally started, you know, we're in the start, you know, start bench conversation every right. week. You know, what was the one thing to take away? They weren't below C level. They were above <laughs> C, C level, level or right. above. That's right. Not C minus level. <laughs> C level guys most weeks are higher on Fantasy Football Weekly. Um, so these are quick hitter observations. These are not in-depth dives, but this is just a broad look at all of the players. And we're starting with the AFC East. All right. Which had, uh, turns out, you know, you don't think the AFC is a fantasy powerhouse, but there was a lot happening under the hood of the AFC East. There's certainly a powerhouse in the uh, There AFC certainly East. is, and that's Buffalo. Let's, let's just start right there. Makes sense. Josh Allen. I think this last year proved that the year before, 2020, was not a fluke. His running-throwing combo makes him fantasy football's most reliable and most potent fantasy quarterback. Yeah, he's a guy I think, even in one-quarterback leagues, I don't think we'll see him taken in a lot of first rounds. No. But mid to late second, early third, mm-hmm. which, I don't know, we probably saw Lamar Jackson going that early on a couple of years ago, coming right. off his massive season, and that was kind of disappointment. But Allen's got that same upside. He's a, an absolute game changer at the position, which I'm sure you're going to dive into a little more. Great passers don't have his rushing and great rushers don't have his passing. He is the only quarterback that really gives you both yep. uh, with Lamar Jackson having, having two straight down passing years and Josh Allen doing it in consecutive years. I think we can safely say that Devin Singletary had the third year breakout, which is it's not like it never happens with running backs. But usually by year two, if you don't have it, you don't have it. And Singletary looked good, dominating Zach Moss and every other Buffalo runner. 
and eventually just relegating everybody else to the bench and just eating up the lion's share of the workload by the end of the season. Yeah, it almost took half a season before they turned him into a bell cow, but once they yeah. did, because even Matt Breida was getting some significant mm-hmm. run in the mid, towards the middle of the season, but yeah, Singletary went off, and going into the playoffs, he was great. So, and I'll touch on that now. He scored two times in the first 14 weeks. Devin Singletary did. Then he scored... Nine times. I had a feeling. Nine times in Buffalo's final six games. Nine times in six games. He will be a prime, do the opposite target. Devin Singletary will be in next year's draft. I I doubt he even had nine touchdowns in his career prior to... uh, No, he definitely did not. He did it in the final six games, including the playoffs. Stefan Diggs, it felt like a down year for Diggs. He had 20 fewer catches, 300 fewer yards, but he set a career high in touchdowns with 10 touchdowns. Do you know how many games Stefan Diggs had with no touchdowns and fewer than 50 receiving yards this year? Touchdowns? I'll say oh. one. Zero. Zero? I, I mean, that's, the, th- that's the thing you love about Diggs yep. is he didn't give you the heartbreaking you know, three point game, four point game, you know, he always was giving you, you know, the 50 yards were accompanied by, you know, four catches. He was, you know, his bottom end was the nine point game, not the three point game. Yeah. And he he didn't have that handful of like 200 yard, two touchdown games that he was having in 2020. The splash games weren't quite as high. There was still certainly a possibility for more of those. There were, let's stick with the wide receivers. I want to talk about Cole Beasley next. Uh, Just one touchdown all year. Failed the top 64 yards in the final 12 games of the year, including the playoffs, which was bad for Beasley. Um, There's only one year left on his deal, and he'll likely need to restructure his contract to avoid getting cut. And if they cut him, they get a cap saving of $6 million. I think he's a cut candidate here. Yeah, Isaiah McKenzie sort of usurped him towards the end of the year as the top slot receiver. So they certainly have a, an able backup or a fill-in for, for, for Beasley at a much, much cheaper cost. Emmanuel Sanders was just a spot fantasy starter at best, and he's a free agent. He's going to be gone. But let's get to the guy who's going to benefit from Sanders leaving, Beasley potentially leaving, and that's Gabriel Davis. Yeah. Almost invisible in the first half of the season. And I mean invisible. I'm talking one catch, zero catch, two catch, one catch, zero catch kind of numbers. Then in probably Gabriel Davis averaging 66 yards and a full touchdown per game in the 10 games, the final 10 games of the season, including the playoffs. Now, it's a little bit skewed by his monster 200 yard (laughs) four touchdown game against the Chiefs. But he was still even with even taking that out. He was still averaging over half a touchdown per game. Yeah, that's what people remember most or last is that 200 yards, four touchdowns. And that's spilled over into the early best ball drafting season. People are pretty, pretty high on Gabe Davis for good reason. But give me a rough round where he's going right now. uh, Six, seven ish. You know, he's in that top 24 Definitely inside top 30 wide receiver range uh, for a lot of people. Now, there is some concern. You know, uh, they've been courting Christian Kirk in uh, Buffalo. I believe. They can't court anybody yet. It's, you know. Well, no. Well, it's. It's it's tampering basically. Yeah, Josh Allen's be. been hanging out with them. I think that they even went on ah. vacation with their spouses and uh oh, they even brought they can't Sam stop that. They brought Sam Darnold along for some reason. I saw the picture. He must be carrying the, the luggage. I don't know. But uh <laughs> but yeah, if they don't bring in a, a Christian Kirk or draft one of the bigger name wide receivers, yeah. it, all systems go, Gabe Davis. Um Sanders and Beasley leave behind fifteen hundred snaps 
and 200 targets. Whew. That makes Gabriel Davis a sexy what round pick? What, what, what do you have a sense of what round he's going? He's in? going like sixth, six, seventh. Seven. He's... Yeah, and I said I had mid round in my notes. Yeah, mid round. He'll be a sexy pick, and some people I wouldn't be surprised to see his value get driven up as if Beasley and Sanders end up leaving the team. Oh yeah, again, if, he, if he skirts the uh, free agency in the draft from any other big names coming in at wide receiver, he should be more in the, the fourth round range. It could, yep. I think it'll it'll bump up. Dawson Knox turned into an improbable touchdown machine last year after scoring two and three touchdowns in his first two seasons. He exploded with nine this year, tied for the NFL lead among tight ends. And then, by the way, he scored two more in the playoffs. He had 11 total touchdowns, which is more than anybody, uh, despite missing three games. Third-year breakouts are common in tight ends. This is not unheard of at all. And then it also Sanders and Beasley leaving would free up some extra extra targets for him. And he only had 70-ish. I think it was like 72, 73 targets last mm-hmm. year for Dawson Knox. That number could, you know, that number could vault up into the 80s or 90s, and you could see even more upside, maybe not with touchdowns, but more especially more in yards. Yeah, he, he certainly was still touchdown dependent, but you could depend on him getting a touchdown in most games. So as long as you're scoring touchdowns when touchdown dependent, yes. nothing wrong with that. Let's go over to Miami. Mike McDaniel takes over as your new head coach. Uh, this is a rebuilt uh, rebuilt coaching staff uh, almost entirely. Supposed offensive mastermind. Mike McDaniel. Yes. Yeah, we'll find out how much you learned from, uh, from Kyle tree. Shanahan. And uh, Daryl Bevel takes over as the passing game coordinator now. Tua Tungo-Vailoa looks to my eyes through two seasons to be an average NFL quarterback. Last year, he his average game was 220 yards and 1.3 touchdowns per game. That's it. And I recall him not coming through in some like juicy prime matchups. Big disappointment. Tua does not run, and with the hip injury he had in college, I guess that was you know that was more of an expectation. So there wasn't necessarily people thought he'd be much of a runner. Um, you know, if there was a pathway for Miami to upgrade from Tua at the quarterback position. There'd be more talk about Tua, you know, them maybe already turning the page on Tua, but there really isn't a, an obvious pathway for them to get anything better than Tua. No, it sounds like the Watson stuff is dead. Yeah, I think that's all dead. And like, I don't know, Russell Wilson going to get traded to the Dolphins? That wouldn't hurt either team, really, but you never know. Yeah, you never know. But they're uh, probably going probably with not. Tua. They're probably, probably not. Yeah. So the upside here, I think, for Tua, and the reason to think things maybe get, get better for Tua is Jalen Waddell, who turned in a terrific rookie season and could be even better. So let's talk Waddle a little bit more here. From week six forward, he topped 48 yards in every game but two. He scored five times. And this is the biggest thing about Waddle. He turned into a massive target hog for Tua. He pushed Devontae Parker into the backseat and became the go-to guy, as I mentioned. He averaged 10 targets per game. After week six, yeah, ten in the, in the early targets per game draft, and now he's getting a lot of love. He's some I've seen him go over. He's kind of the, the tail end of round two, but some people are Jeez, opting to go really? over CD Lamb or DK Metcalf with the presumably safer Jalen yeah. Waddle, but the but the ceiling well, almost as high as Metcalf. Or those CD guys Lamb. have to share looks, right? CD mm-hmm. Lamb has to share with Cooper unless he gets traded. You know, maybe they re-sign Gallup. But I don't think so, or Cedric Wilson. You know, and DK Metcalf has to share with Lockett, but not Jalen Waddle. And especially with Devontae Parker, because he can be cut or restructured after back to back middling seasons. He's only had really the one good year, 2019. That was his money year, by the way. And 
he was injured for half of last year. He only caught two touchdowns all season. Parker never topped 85 yards all season. If he sticks with Miami and he stays healthy and Mike McDaniel is a good head coach, a better head coach for an offense, and Tua gets a little bit better, then Parker could be kind of a steal if you think he could bounce back to where he was three years ago. But we've now seen him for five seasons. He's had one good year. Yeah. You can't draft him uh, as a starter or presumed starter. You're just hoping he returns to form and stays there. But like you said, he, he cannot stay healthy the last few years. Uh, Will Fuller will be a free agent after catching four passes on his $10.5 million contract. Yeah, absolute disaster oh, 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 for Will oh, Fuller. I mean, wow, was that a bad signing? Yeah. Oh, man. All right, so let's go to the tight end position. Mike Kosicki, uh, after he, it was a frustrating season, he finished tight end 12, which doesn't sound that bad. 32 teams, if you've got a tight end 12, that's great. But he just had two touchdowns. And from week eight forward, Gasecki averaged three and a half catches, 35 yards, and did not score. And more frustrating because he really plays wide receiver, which is nice from a fantasy yeah. fantasy perspective because he's tight end eligible. But he's not like a Kyle Pitts. He's, he's a very average wide receiver. <laughs> so, yeah. And I'll throw this dynasty nugget out there quick. There are talks you know, in his next contract negotiations that are going to push for you know the wide receiver eligibility in the real world. So yeah, because they're they sitting want, on yeah, they want the money yeah, at wide receiver. You're sitting yeah. on uh, at, on Gasicki at tight end, and it might be a good time to move him because if he goes to wide receiver, he's valued just you know sinks yeah. incredibly. Yeah, you touched on this Gasicki. Note that he's headed to free agency, and you know we don't know where he's going to land yet. But if you're Mike McDaniel. You know, you could probably convince him he could be the next George Kittle in, in a Mike McDaniel offense. Well, they say that McDaniel likes his tight ends to block, and that's why we get so aggravated at times because all we would do is see George Kittle blocking. Right. Because uh, he doesn't fit that scheme. No, <laughs> so he does not. He, he, he probably has one foot out the door. We'll see. All right, let's hit on Miami's backfield. Duke Johnson, Miles Gaskin, Philip Lindsay, Salvan Akhmed. Oh, they're drafting somebody. Uh, they have to. I think so, too. I think this is a rebuild. Now, in fairness, Duke Johnson... He took over the job in week 15, and he shined. He averaged four and a half yards per carry, which wasn't bad. And he posted the only two 100-yard rushing games of the entire season for Miami were both Duke Johnson games. But to me, my eyes, they all look like replacement-level guys, and I think Miami should just overhaul the position. Yeah, that's it's a place where, like, uh, a Brees Hall, Isaiah Spiller, I don't want to get too much into the rookies. We'll mm-hmm. do that at some point. But it's a place where a rookie can walk in and take that starting job. Agreed. One. Agreed. We will get into the rookies in uh, in the month of March more. Oh, yeah. Uh, and into April. Well, especially April is heading into the draft. We'll be talking a lot of rookies. When we come back, We'll go through New England and the Jets, the things we learned, the key takeaways from this season, what made us smarter at the end of the season than we were at the beginning. Stay tuned. Fantasy Football Weekly. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Welcome back. Fantasy Football Weekly. Paul Charchian, Brian Johnson, guillotineleagues.com. Some fun stuff coming to Guillotine Leagues next year. Can't say what. Maybe something. Maybe something new. Maybe. Uh Maybe. Yeah. We'll get the rumors. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll see. Let's go over to New England. We're recapping the key takeaways from last season. Every meaningful player through the AFC East this particular episode of Fantasy Football Weekly and New England. I want to start with the running game because the running game is the best part of the New England offense by a mile. And also the most frustrating every year, but yeah, it was yeah, the most part. <laughs> if you could, you know, over the t- over Belichick's reign, if all you did was just blindly start like the best running back from the Patriots, you'd probably be, more often than not, you'd probably be okay but this has been, it's been really, really tough to peg and going into any game, like what the trend is, who might be valuable, who hasn't. This year was a little bit more readable than most, I thought. So let's talk about Harris for a minute. Despite being in a frequent workload timeshare with Ramondre Stevenson, Harris finished second in rushing touchdowns with 15. Wow. As predicted by somebody in the preseason who put. Harris specifically on 15 touchdowns. Did you really? I did. Oh, wow. We had it. We had a go to New York for the review on that, but I'll take your word for it. Oh yeah, I did. I believe you. Uh, He spread those 15 and I love this part. He spread those 15 touchdowns across 11 games. That's what you really want. And he was fourth in carries inside the five yard line. He had 16 carries inside the five yard line and he converted over 50% of his carries into touchdowns, which is where we want to be. That suggests to me there's no reason for Bill Belichick to stop giving Damian Harris the ball at the stripe. He missed a few games, too, if I recall. He did. And we're going to that brings us to Ramondre Stevenson. Let's go there. Even with Harris soaking up those 16 carries from inside the five yard line, Stevenson got six carries. And impressively, he scored on four of them. All four touchdowns that Stevenson scored from inside the five were games in which Damian Harris was missing. Hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, both he, Harris and Stevenson averaged 4.6 yards per carry, and they both look like above-average running back talents and below-average receiving running backs. Um, Stevenson workload was just too low to start him on a regular basis. I know, when In the games that Harris played, Stevenson was seven, eight, nine touches, and that's just, you just can't. You just can't cobble together and not getting those goal line looks. He wasn't giving you the touchdowns in those games either. This is a situation where unless it's best ball, that's different, but just for standard leagues drafting in August, you know, things sort of stay the same. You really got to pick which one you're going with because they're pretty close in ADPs. I mean, Harris is going four around, you know, late round 
late third round, fourth round, mm-hmm. and then Stevenson's kind of in that late sixth, seventh, eighth round. You really don't want to sink that much equity <laughs> into one backfield. It's no. not like it's a clear. It's not like a McCaffrey Chuba Hubbard no. situation or anything no. like that. But you're clearly Team Harris, obviously. God, I like they're both great. I love Stevenson. I love Stevenson. But just the reality of their usage uh, tilts towards Harris pretty heavily, and because they were so good at what they were trying to do, I think it stays with Harris. Yeah, I think I remember his draft profile last year, Stevenson, who went to Oklahoma, I believe. Just basically his 2020 season was marred by injury, and uh, he would have been a round one running back. He had that kind of talent and then, uh, potential in college, and he didn't, he didn't get to live up to it because of injury, but stayed healthy last year. So yeah, did stay healthy, which is great. He can only get better, it looks like. Let's go to the passing game. I thought Mac Jones looked like a middle-to-bottom-tier fantasy quarterback with a very low ceiling and not even a particularly high floor. Um, even I, with like all it, those electric weapons he I, had? I know, the- there's that, right? <laughs> so yeah, to me, he's a slightly more explosive Teddy Bridgewater. Okay. And that's it. He hit 300 yards just two times all year. Um, and he, by the way, it was like 307 and 309. I mean, he just eat over 300 yards for Mac Jones. Jones threw three touchdowns in two games out of 17, which is not great, but at least he hit three. Um, but that's counteracted by 10 games with zero or one touchdown for Mac Jones. Didn't he have zero or one passing yard in one game too? I think it was yeah, more like the 11. Buffalo, yeah, the Buffalo <laughs> the game. The it, Buffalo was, it was game. something like that, yes. So you don't, yeah, you don't want to look at per-game uh, per averages but for Mac Jones because they are severely sapped yeah. by that game. Hunter Henry scored nine times, uh, but when he did not score, Hunter Henry stung you with his low volume and his meager yardage. And you can't even blame Jonu Smith because Smith wasn't even a factor in this offense. Nope. It was That's just how they used Hunter Henry as basically an end zone target. And for me, that makes him just like a bi-week fill-in and somebody where, you know, if you're, you just hope you get that touchdown and can get out with, because otherwise you're looking at two catches for 28 yeah, yards. Even more so touchdown dependent than the uh, aforementioned uh, Dawson Knox, for sure. Let's go to New England's receivers, Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. I'm going to talk about them all sort of in one breath here, Brian. They shared a meager 10 touchdowns between them, and none of them, I thought, particularly distinguished themselves. Myers had a few more yards. Bourne had a couple more touchdowns than the group, but they were just they were almost entirely unstartable in a low-volume, low-upside passing game. Yeah, and I, the Patriots seem like a team that's going to draft a, a bigger-name wide receiver or bring one in free agency, whether it be a, an Allen Robinson type, Mike Williams, something like that. Maybe, but they spent big on Aguilar and Bourne last year, which were dumb, dumb I, signings. Aguilar signing was... Yeah, I, they were both baffling to me. Um, Myers had a productive stretch of games in December. I'll mention that. So he finished the season a little hotter than the other guys, but still, I, I think on, on balance, these, they all looked like danger signs to me. Jones probably gets better next year, but I don't know that he, he gets so much better that you have want to have any reliance on any of those guys. Myers, Aguilar born all to me, just situational dart throws. Yeah. He's going to be hovering around that top 20 range, which means in Myers? standard, no, Mac Jones, Jones. Yeah, we're in a, a standard one quarterback, 12 team league. He's a, a backup at best, but he might just mm-hmm. be a, a floating free agent kind of guy throughout the season. Let's wrap up with the Jets. How long will this take? Not as long <laughs> as you, you may not be surprised here, but the lead story. And if I were to, if I'm talking to anybody, especially in dynasty empire leagues, Zach Wilson got a lot better in the second half of the season. You remember he missed a bunch of time in the middle of the year with injury. Mm-hmm. The games before that were bad. 
the games after, when he came back from injury, he played better. And it, it still was not like he wasn't a fantasy factor in most of the games. But if you just watched his play, and even the box scores show it to a degree, but really, eye test, Zach Wilson looked a lot better. Um, I thought he showed some of the arm talent, especially that led him to be the number two pick the year before. Yeah, and he ripped off like a 90-yard run in one game. Yeah, he did. Uh, it didn't yeah. score, unfortunately, but still to see a quarterback. I mean, he, he's got wheels. Uh, more than you think of looking more at More than him. you would think, yeah, mm-hmm, definitely. For sure. Uh, let's talk about Elijah Moore. The rookie's season ended in week 13 with a quad injury, but I want to highlight the five weeks leading up to that quad injury. He averaged six catches, 78 yards, and a touchdown per game. Six catches, 78 yards, and a touchdown per game. That's Tyreek Hill's catches and yardage and Cooper Cup's touchdowns. Yeah, he was uh, He was the numbers speak for itself. I mean, for themselves, he was a top three wide receiver during that stretch, and that was a, a brutal blow to everyone who had uh, Elijah Moore on roster when he went down because, yeah, he was just getting started. Yeah, flash significant talent, and if you think Wilson's going to get better next year, as I do, I, there's no reason to think Moore doesn't get better with him and more consistent with him. And so I think, you know, maybe because of the quad injury that ended his season after week 13, he might be off people's radar at draft time next year and in best ball now. Um, but there's a lot of reason for upside here. Yeah, for sure. Corey Davis had an injury plague season um, and he only scored in three games all year in his other games, in which he did not score. He killed you by averaging 39 yards in scoreless games. And this, that's just totally untenable. He's now played for five years. Corey Davis had one good season. His money year, 2020, he's not untalented, but he's deeply inconsistent, and he has missed 12 games in the last two years. I don't, I don't, he's nothing more than a like last pick of a draft dart throw coming up this year, I think. Yeah, he's still got, he's a good end zone, red zone target, but yeah, the, the injury concerns, and when he's not scoring, he, like you said, he's not doing a whole lot. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if, you're probably going to mention one more wide receiver. I Braxton Berrios yeah. is the next guy I'll mention. I like Special teams guy, deep threat guy, but he's headed to free agency. Yeah. And so we'll watch and see where he lands. I saw him or his agent or somebody was saying they expect him to get $8 million a year. I'm like, really? I don't know. That seems like a lot for, for the specialty role that he is. Yeah, my gut tells me he will be back in with the Jets because um, they are a little Probably one of the only teams dumb enough to pay that much money. That could be the case. But uh, but I'm, uh, to round this out real quick, I'm, I'm really curious to see what the Jets do at tight end because we, we, we like Zach Wilson. There are some nice pieces. I know you probably still got to get to the running game, but well, there are no, there are not, no tight not ends. Not to talk about there either, unfortunately. There, nothing to talk about from a tight end perspective from last no. year, but uh, there's, there are a couple talented rookie tight ends uh, that I could see ending up uh, with the Jets, Jalen Wiedermeyer being, being the mm-hmm. top one, or uh, Evan Engram could stay in the same stadium. <laughs> I'd be very keep, intrigued. Keep his apartment. I, I'm certainly just, I got my eye on who the Jets are going to bring mm-hmm. in a tight end. Cause that could be a, a pretty nice landing spot for whoever, whoever ends up as the Jets tight end. Let's go to the running game. Michael Carter flashed from time to time, but honestly, I thought he was going to look better than he did. I mean, I, I saw the college work and I'm like, Ooh, this, there could be a little something here. It just never seemed to translate on the field. I didn't see a lot of flash plays from him. Um, And they never let him be a workhorse, which I found troubling considering who they were deferring carries to. He never topped 16 carries in a game. And Carter averaged just 10 per game, 10 carries per game. You just can't get it done on that. So you'd think Carter would get more 
usage next season because Tevin Coleman's a free agent and who's done nothing to deserve to even stay in the league. And Ty Johnson's not that good. I want to believe that Carter will get more, something closer to a workhorse level of, of carries next year. Yeah, me too. Uh, he's another guy you're going to want to see the Jets uh, skirt drafting a, a big name running back in the draft or bringing in even a guy like a Dante Foreman who's a, who's a free agent running back. Mm-hmm. They bring in someone like that. That spells disaster pretty much for Michael Carter yeah. from a fantasy perspective. So we got we'll to keep our eyes on that one. Carter had these two weird games in the middle of the season where he had an eight-catch game for like 85 yards and a nine-catch game for like 90 yards. And then otherwise did nothing through the air. Nothing. It was so weird that they trusted him and game planned him to be so successful in those games and then never went back to it. Now, I would suspect those might have been games when Elijah Moore was hurt, possibly. Maybe. Well, they were, they were, these are midseason games. I don't have the box score in front of me. Moore got hurt at the end of the year, so I don't think those overlapped, but there may have been other injuries or things on the field that contributed. You can say one thing for the Jets' offense is they were never like a cohesive unit because of health issues. Like Corey Davis was hurt. Mm -hmm. Zach Wilson was hurt. Right, right. And Elijah Moore got hurt later in the year. Jameson Crowder was, he missed the beginning of the season. Yeah, he did. So they, yeah, they never had a, a unit that could gel really. So hopefully they do in 2022. All right. Next week, let's talk, uh, NFC East. Let's go uh, if through we must. four teams. Yeah. Let's just tear the Band-Aid off on that. Yeah. We'll do there's that. Got a, there's some intrigue there, and there's some, you know, there's obviously there's notable things to come oh, out of that. Oh, for sure. I know, uh, I know you've got a, I know you feel pretty strongly about Dallas Goddard. Yeah, and there's uh, another tight end who really hasn't had a chance mm. to show what he can do before getting hurt. And uh, I'll just spoil it. Logan Thomas, very intrigued by yeah, Logan where he Thomas. can bounce back to. Yeah. When he's on the yeah. field, yeah. <laughs> he does some damage in he a good does. way. He does. That'll be fascinating. We'll talk. So we'll recap the NFC East next week. Thank you for listening to Fantasy Football Weekly. Fantasy Football Weekly is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar see for yourself when you sign up today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets when you bet just five dollars whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet 365 21 plus only must be present in ohio if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help call 1-800-GAMBLER Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.